BorderCast podcast is a product of BorderCast.com. We are a dedicated team of meteorologists that provide weather forecasts, discussions, and analysis specific to Boulder County. If you want to receive email notifications for our posts, look for the subscribe button on our homepage. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at BoulderCast. If you have questions or comments or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, message us at contact at BoulderCast.com. BoulderCast, a Boulder take on weather. Hello and welcome to the Bouldercast podcast. Andy and Ben joining you. Hi everyone. Welcome back. It's been a while. Yeah, what, like two weeks? Maybe maybe three? Yeah, two weeks, I guess. Not really sure. Steiner blew us off last week. Yeah, I think we were all pretty busy. Yeah, you weren't even here. <laughs> That's true, I was in uh, Savannah for a weather conference. So, I'm back in Boulder and... Um, we probably don't have much as much banter this week, so we might cut to the chase and uh, yeah. Basically, uh, our main topic for for this podcast will be discussing the latest winter storm that was projected to hit Boulder um, on the week of the week of the fifteenth, and it was supposed to bring a lot of snow. Monday night, Tuesday morning, and we'll basically be discussing the impact of that and what went right, what was wrong, and in detail, so you can understand exactly what went through our minds and forecasting that and how we can improve on that in the future. Yeah, a little bit disappointing, but it's the nature of the business. Yep. It's not a perfect science, meteorology. Nope. Models are just a guidance, and they're not the expert. Even though we tend to believe them more often than not, they can be quite wrong, as they did in this past week. So Yeah, I'll argue why they weren't that wrong, and they still did a decent job. Yeah. It's a tough forecast. And then we'll also discuss the, there was a pretty high wind event the day after the storm was, was supposed to hit. That led to... Pretty high winds across the foothills in Boulder County. Yeah. Do you want to jump into that first or save that for a second? Yeah, we can do it if you want now. I feel like yeah. that would be a shorter conversation. Okay, yeah. I don't know. So we basically had the system pushing out Tuesday Tuesday afternoon. It's like reverse chronological order. But whatever. <laughs> it's shorter. On the 16th, I believe, right? Which was a Tuesday. Yeah. And... System was moving out into Kansas. 16th was Monday. Or the mid, Tuesday. or the Midwest, I guess it was moving out. Yeah. And behind that, basically the northerly winds from that system shifted more to a westerly, northwesterly direction. On Wednesday, um, basically cross, um, well perpendicular to the mountain range, um, mm-hmm. in the Rockies and the foothills, and then we had a pretty strong pressure gradient. Um, which is basically looking at the sea level pressure gradient in the at the surface, um, where we had high pressure in western Colorado, and we had relatively lower pressure um, across eastern Colorado. And that, in general, in the atmosphere, the the wind blows from high pressure to low pressure, and so when you have a pretty strong tight 
pressure gating, which we had on Wednesday, the flow basically is directed um, from western Colorado to the east um, with that pressure gating we had on Wednesday. So, yeah. Um, it looked pretty impressive on the map. It was, yeah. I and I think I posted on our Facebook page, maybe. Yeah, that was insane, <laughs> looking at that. <laughs> looked like a, tighter than a hurricane, I suppose. Like, like you tried to fit all those contours in like a half a millimeter yeah. of a map or something. <laughs> it was like 1025 millibars in western Colorado and like 995 in eastern Colorado or something, like 30 millibars across 100 miles. <laughs> Yeah. Or something along those lines. Yeah, it was pretty insane. So, and then also in the mid-levels of the atmosphere, like around, uh, about, I would say about 10,000 feet up, uh, which is approximately the 700 millibar pressure level, which is kind of where we as forecasters look at, um, that that's the pressure level we look at when we are looking at potentially high wind events that would impact Boulder County and the foothills. Um, and that was showing for Wednesday morning um, winds in excess of 60 miles per hour um, for the time frame from Wednesday morning, the 17th, mm-hmm. uh, no, the 18th, 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 from the morning through the afternoon hours. Um, there was a jet stream that was kind of diving south on Wednesday, and that was likely part of it. Um, and so... So what, what do you think comes first? So this is kind of like chicken or the egg type question. Do you think the pressure gradient develops because of the downslope winds from that stretching? And I think so. Expansion I think it's, or compression? Yeah, I think those winds that are... The pressure gradient drives the winds first. It's probably... <laughs> actually, this might have been the question that we asked our professor a few years ago. Yeah. I think it's a combination of both. One reinforces one, and then, but I mean, okay, essentially, what what starts it? I'm not exactly sure, but it's like a feedback loop. Yeah, <laughs> so lower and lower pressure and drives faster winds. So we had the high winds mixing down to the surface, and then that increased the pressure gradient. But then the pressure gradient reinforced the winds probably as well. So what what started it? Running, I'm not exactly sure, but it was probably the jet stream that was kind of overhead and yeah, started the fast winds, started to shift it a little bit, yeah, and then probably also also the temperature gradient, probably. You mean vertical temperature gradient? Yeah, you had mentioned oh, yeah. the weather service made a post talking about the temperature gradient, kind of in the mid levels, that was kind of stabilizing the. I guess the atmosphere above the level of the high winds, and so that was being forced to descend. Yeah. Descend along those lines. Yeah. So, combination of the temperature gradient, pressure gradient, and the high winds at roughly ten thousand feet elevation is my guess. Yeah. So if you have the right stability, the air. So the mountains gonna when the air flows over the mountains, the mountains gonna want to push it, push the air up, right? Yeah, but if it has like a pretty stable layer up there, it can kind of prevent it from going up and I don't know slingshot the fast winds towards the ground. Yeah, more yeah. Or less. <laughs> Essentially, kind of ver- vertically rise and then re- reach that stable layer and then descend once again on the eastern side. Would be my understanding from that. Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. amazing, like how fast the wind 
can be just a little bit above the surface. I know, yeah. And when, it, when that wind gets pushed down <clears throat> towards the ground and we, we get to feel the effects. It's pretty, it's pretty yeah, and I'm sure it gets amplified when you have all the, uh, what are they called, all the, um, all the canyons that kind of channel all the winds and it kind of comes out of, say, like El Dorado Canyon where they probably saw, I mean, several locations south of the city um, had seen over 90 mile per hour gusts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so it was probably coming through that canyon, like El Dorado Canyon, possibly. Yep. Favorable areas for high wind. And so that just increases the pressure gradient even even further, right? It's like a it's like a wind tunnel. Yeah. Sort of effect. <laughs> so you're you're adding in the wind speeds in addition to all the topography effects that amplifies it even further. I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's uh, Highway 93 south of Boulder is one of the hot spots. I guess Coal Creek Canyon? Coal Creek too, yeah. It yeah. comes out by, uh, by the windmills. That's where yeah. that speed gust of 102. Yeah, 102 miles per hour. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, 90, I, I still don't see how Encart Mesa is so windy. We should go up there for the next windstorm. Well, they are kind of perched up there right next to the foothills. But you're they saying are. they're sort of protected from, a, from a t- uh, like a. They're nowhere near canyon or something like well, that. Well, I mean, you don't definitely necessarily need a canyon. I'm just curious why it's so. It's always so windy up there. I mean, they're kind of in the shadow of Bear Peak, or no, Green Mountain. Yeah. Bear Peak. They're so I don't know. But they're also just. A big windstorm. We should drive <laughs> up there and see if it's like it's crazy because they have like 60 mile per hour stained winds. And like the city doesn't have anywhere near that. Well, yeah, I think it's just because it's so close to the foothills. It's just getting all the, the winds coming right over that. Like right over the mountain range, but I could yeah. be wrong. Could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Just don't curious. Know. <laughs> they get the best. They always get the highest gust in Boulder. Yeah. More or less. So 94 miles an hour. <laughs> so the winds really started picking up, I would say, as early as 7 a.m. Um, in kind of like North Boulder, Western Western County. Of, I'd say earlier than that. Earlier than that? Like at 2 a.m. there was, is when it really started. Oh, really? 70 mile per hour gusts. Wow. So, at least in North Boulder. Yeah. Um, so we were we were looking at the models on Sunday, and we had seen like a hint of this going to happen on wednesday but we had said like over 45 mile per hour winds easily but we weren't sure as to how consistent this you know whether that pattern was going to stay in shape through wednesday but uh and it ended up verifying but much higher than we had expected <laughs> yeah kind of came out of nowhere and uh as they sometimes do i mean you never yeah. know if it's going to verify hard to really forecast the wind events yeah it is it yeah more than 24 hours in advance and that case was like three days in advance what you were doing <laughs> yeah definitely yeah so it was pretty good definitely <laughs> the weather service on that one it's true it's they true. didn't even mention it no they had it in the uh discussion i think sunday night really they mentioned something about so maybe it was monday but they said basically they were looking at kind of like the uh some of the mountain peaks i guess level mm-hmm. pr- pressure level 
And they were mentioning that some of the the peaks there, at least in the, at least in the weather forecast, were showing maybe a little bit more moisture and cold air. So maybe they were thinking that that wind wasn't going to descend mm. on the other side. Maybe less stability, so the winds wouldn't mix down to the surface. Yeah. And they were talking about like potentially snow up there too, kind of like reducing the stability, which is kind of inter- interesting. I didn't really know that they took in you could you could look at that as you know forecasting that but it makes sense yeah i guess the ideal wind event you wouldn't want any snow occurring i don't know yeah i guess so unless it's uh you'd want nothing happening on the divide besides winds (laughs) yeah unless it was a catabatic wind or something like that where it was temperature induced not in this case. So these were these are classically defined as Chinook winds, which are warm winds that descend across the east of the east of the divide. And because it's a descending wind, it usually leads to a warming because, like, as air sinks, it warms uh, adiabatically. Do you see, uh, do you see the one? Uh follower on facebook no we were having a discussion about chinook winds oh you were what do you say (laughs) basically i was questioning whether they would truly be called chinook winds since it wasn't really that warm that's true that's a good point yeah um i mean it was warmer than tuesday she was uh, she was questioning that so so it was actually colder than tuesday if you remember Tuesday was 53, oh, yeah. Wednesday was 52. Yeah. So it didn't really warm us up anymore than we were the day before, or the day after, because today was like 50. So was it really a Chinook wind? I don't know. You could see it at the 700 millibar level, you could see that the temperature was warming slightly. I mean, I mean obviously I would, not a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah, I would argue it's warming. But it's true. I that mean, it's going to be downslope. It's going to be warming, I guess. So, I mean, that's true. So is it really Chinook winds? I don't know what the exact definition is. That's what we were kind of arguing about. Like, what's the true <laughs> definition? Because there's, they're all, the general term for downslope winds is the phone winds, right? Yeah. F-E-F-O-E-H-N. The fawn. Same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, but you can split that into the Chinook winds, which are the warm winds, and border winds, which are the cold winds. So but where are those subjective lines drawn? Was where we were kind of like somewhere well, they yeah. kind of switch. One of them's making this, the area warmer. One of them's making it colder. And kind of in between. There's yeah. Maybe one reason why it was not as warm is maybe the snow recent snow cover. I mean, obviously not in the foothills, but maybe more upstream, like in the the high country. It's true. But I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's always snow there, though. Well, it's yeah, it's true. Good chinooks in those. Yeah. So then when we get a good Chinook, it'll knock us into the 60s or low 70s. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, though. Well, that's a good question. Be a Cassano question, I think. <laughs> yeah. We didn't really come up with a really good answer. I would say it was a Chinook wind, but, I mean, obviously not much warming. And partly that's because so much mixing going on. That just mixing out all the temperature, I mean, solar radiation that's warming the surface, is just mixing that up. Mm-hmm. 
upper higher up in the atmosphere just mixing it um more efficiently because it's so windy yeah mechanically that mixing. happens every time though it should yeah it's true it's true i don't know it's hard to say yeah this could be uh a steiner question for next next podcast but i heard someone at my work office said they haven't seen winds that strong in 20 years but i don't know i think everyone says that every time it's ever windy or snows it showed up on my phone where it said we didn't reach the record or something. So what? what do you mean show on your phone? On my uh, Windows phone, Cortana. Said that. Oh, it was like a news story? Did yeah. Or something? Yeah. What did it say? I didn't read it. I just saw the headline. It just said, like, surprisingly, these high winds we experienced this week did not beat the record or something like that. So apparently, apparently it's been windier. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we know it's been windier. Yeah, it's been windier. Yeah. I know there was a hundred eight mile an hour gust. There was numerous. Older, a couple years, in two thousand seven or three. Well, even when we were at our old apartment. Oh yeah. There were nights that, like from two to five a.m. or somewhere it was like fifty mile per hour sustained for at least three hours. Yeah. It wasn't that intense. To, I would say in the city at least. Yeah. You can see that video. <laughs> South Florida was really howling. It was. It was crazy. You can see why they have those windmills at that place. Yeah, it's a good place to measure the... The National Energy Lab <laughs> or whatever. But I assume you wouldn't want it to get too windy, because then it would probably destroy those... Uh, destroy the uh, turbines in some ways. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they lock them. Yeah, probably. When it gets crazy. You can't have those <laughs> blowing at 100 miles an hour winds. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we experienced on Wednesday, and that, that was pers- that was the aftermath after the storm kind of moved out. So we actually expect less wind events during El Nino years, on average. Doesn't mean they're impossible. It just means <laughs> you know there might be a couple less than normal. And why is that? I don't know. Well, I mean, mostly because of the storm track isn't just not favorable for it. More southwesterly approach oh yeah you don't get the northwesterly flow all that often yeah yeah it seems more often coming in seems more often in la nina years well i mean judging from our experience yeah (laughs) at least the last four and a half years (laughs) but yeah what else did i see i saw uh, a few uh tractor trailers trucks tipped over (laughs) Really? Wow. Did you see that? I don't know. Was this 93? Mm-hmm. Colorado 93? I saw one was on uh, I-70 south in Golden. Hmm. Blew over. And. Wow. It's pretty crazy. They had some people in the news, like the south part of Denver, where they actually got all that snow. It was like blizzard conditions. You know, imagine fresh snow with like 70 miles an hour wind. <laughs> 70 mile an hour wind the next day. So it was pretty crazy there. Yeah. And then, um, I think some windows blew out in downtown Denver. I heard there was... Some of the skyscrapers had windows shatter. I heard there was some power outages in Boulder. Oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't click on the article again. I just look at these articles. These are good good news stories. I didn't hear anything about that. I don't know how many. That's what, according to Excel Energy, they said there was some, some, uh, people without power like Wednesday 10 or like 10, 
It sounded like a lot, but mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. I didn't hear anybody say they didn't have power. It must have been really brief or something. Hmm. I don't know. Must have briefly shut out the the power or something. I don't yeah, know. interesting. Most <laughs> of our power lines are underground. Yeah. Except for a few spots in Boulder. Pretty much. Probably yeah. A couple above ground, but. Yeah. Interesting. All so. right. Well, that's the windstorm. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, we'll no. some more. Those are pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm sure it's not the last one of the year. I mean, might be the, the may might be the only high uh, extreme one possibly, but I wouldn't go that know. far. But I would say, yeah, I think January. We tend to get in the winter is pretty hardcore. Yeah, we tend to get a decent number of them over the over the winter, oh. at least four or five. Another fact, another fun fact. Did I show you that article that put Boulder as the tenth windiest city in the country or something? I don't think you did. Man. At I least didn't I didn't hear from it. So. Um, yeah, some company does a study where basically it was kind of a skewed analysis. It was more, most of the cities in the top ten were in the southeast United States. Mm-hmm. Because they're, basically they based it on having a severe wind gust at least one time per day. So any any anything over 55 miles per hour, right? <laughs> it's considered they would count that within 10 miles of the city center <laughs> this is just what their techni- technicalities for their study were based on but yeah they're they basically count the number of days in this 10 year span that the city had a 55 mile per hour wind gust within 10 miles of it and Boulder ended up 10th who's who's number one I forget it was somewhere in like Louisiana or something and they uh, had to, oh the cities had to be 100,000 people or more so are, ruled out like a lot of the other places. Are we at least higher than Chicago? Oh yeah, that was like the <laughs> kind of like a clickbait uh, news title for this article. It was like Chicago really isn't the windiest city. Click here <laughs> to find out who is. <laughs> and then it also explained like the brief history of how Chicago got to be called the Windy City. Do you, which do you know that? No, what is it? I don't know. They were saying that it's based off of like the nineteen seventies. Or something where, um, maybe earlier than that, I can't remember, but it was based off the fact that they had a lot of, I don't know, politicians there or something that were blowing hot air. <laughs> that make, that's funny. And it, yeah. and it was kind of like a joke that other cities made about Chicago to call it the Windy City because they were blowing a lot of hot air. <laughs> and it's not actually really windy there. I don't know where Chicago was. They were way down the list, though. It's a little windy if you're in the city, but I think that's more... Just random weather variability. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that study was interesting. Yeah, that sounded pretty interesting. Boulder had the, of anybody on the list, it had the highest wind gust. Oh, wow. Which was 108 miles per hour from like 2003. Wow. It only did the last 15 years, I think. Boulder Airport, 108 miles per hour? Or no, like... I remember it could be anywhere within 10 miles. Oh. So, could have been on top of Long's Peak. That's <laughs> a little bit too far, but it could have been... 10 mile radius or like I guess uh, radius I guess it could be Long's Peak then no that's no, a little too far, but could be uh, Lions yeah it could be somewhere else probably over down by Enrail or El Dorado or something yeah. <laughs> probably down there <laughs> but um, but yeah the, the the analysis was kind of skewed because it only took into effect factor just one wind gust so the 10 cities above Boulder probably had you know severe thunderstorms in the southeast you know straight line winds 
one, you know, for two seconds, and that counts as a whole, yeah. whole event, whereas Boulder, you know, never gets straight line wind damage. Yeah. Essentially. From pretty, storm. yeah, pretty rare. And yeah. ours would actually be, you know, we don't just have one 50 mile an hour wind gust. We would have, you know, a whole day of like 70 miles an hour. I know, yeah, yeah. Something like that. So if they would have taken to that, that new account, I bet Boulder would have been the top. Like, Probably, yeah. Like maybe like wind run or something, like the distance the wind travels in a day or whatever. I would say Mount Washington probably should oh. be the number one. That's not a city, <laughs> I know, but still. In that case, you say, like, Mount Everest. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mount Washington. <laughs> 200 miles per hour sustained sometimes. It's <laughs> pretty crazy. Maybe an interesting fact is that um, because Boulder has, like, at a higher eleva- elevation, so... It basically uh, has there. It's the air is less dense up here um, at our elevation, at roughly you know fifty three hundred feet, as opposed to the surface. So, I'd imagine if we were say at like sea level, experiencing hundred hundred mile an hour wind gusts, that we'd see a lot more destruction, because the air would be more dense at sea level compared to. 5,000 feet in elevation. You think? That's an interesting question. Because I I assume... Yeah, for sure. Because you're basically blowing less dense air compared to blowing more density. We had this discussion last time on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, we did? Discussing Mars, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Force of the wind on Mars. (laughs) But, yeah, you're right. And that brings up another question. Do you think anemometers account for pressure... When it's measuring the wind speed? Uh, right, because it's only, it's just measuring the force of the wind. And if the wind, if you have less pressure, it's going to have less force for the same speed. So. Yeah, I guess you'd, you'd have to have another one sort of like in a, sort of in a different location at sea level and compare the two. But you couldn't, you couldn't directly, I guess. But maybe if you had two in the lab or something, one with less dense and one with more dense and the same amount of wind blowing, you could compare the difference i'm saying there probably is a difference right i would think there would be like because there's less molecules turning that anemometer yeah you think are i question if our anemometers take into effect pressure i'm sure they do someone surely thought of that (laughs) like the one i have you think it accounts for the lower pressure because no yours is by on the low end (laughs) but maybe yours is on the low end probably of expensive well yeah i mean Still, though, it takes into effect pressure. It could have a little simple algorithm. If it rotates 10 times in a second at sea level, that's so much so fast. But if your pressure is lower, then it's a little bit faster wind. You mean to calibrate how, how fast it turns? Yeah. That's really what it is, right? It goes around and it calculates the time between how fast it rotates and spits out our speed. Yeah. Well, even the new ones now use, like... It goes through some kind of laser. How does that? I mean, it has some kind of central, uh, like three, Are you three. About sonic yeah, the sonic ones. Yeah. It uses what, like sound, or I don't know what it uses. Sonic would so, I mean, sound. So <laughs> would that calibrate for density? I think that one would, for one reason or another. That one should be. Yeah, that one's not mechanical. 
like a normal cup anemometer is all mechanical. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. Probably, anyways, kind of an off-topic sheet, but... So if they're, if they're not calibrating, then you, you couldn't compare the wind speed in Boulder to, like, say, the wind speed in the Midwest or somewhere else. In theory, they would have to be calibrating these. Yeah, that'd be a good question or a good thing to look up and see. I mean, my weather station has pressure, so why wouldn't it just use the pressure to adjust the wind speed? It would have to be adjusted in the lab before you bought it. Like calibrated. Well, yeah, they would have to come up with the algorithm beforehand. I'm sure they did that. Well, it would just be tightening the the way it rotates or something, adjusting how sensitive it is, right? No, I mean, just say for every pressure. Oh, you say just reading equation. it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was to say you could just calibrate the speed at which it rotates. Yeah, but then you would. But the pressure is always changing. Yeah. So that would be a challenge. Hmm. Yeah, look it up. We can discuss it in the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we can just basically go into what happened with the winter storm. Whoa! If you want to, well, we called it a winter storm. <laughs> well, it wasn't one; it was a dud, I guess. But hey, it wasn't a dud for everyone. We <laughs> so, called it a winter storm. I'd say it, was, it, it delivered in a lot of ways for a lot of people. So you want to start us off and discuss it? All right. Well, yeah. I'll start us off by saying that the models were picking up on the storm roughly a week in advance, maybe, maybe six days. Yeah, I remember that. There was kind of indications that there would be some kind of potentially large snow event. That someone was going to get... In somewhere between Wyoming and (laughs) New Mexico. And as it got closer and closer to the date, it became clear it was going to be Colorado, and it was going to be a big storm. Yeah. At least initially. And then as it got even closer to the storm's arrival, the models kind of started to back away from it again and say, oh, it's barely going to be anything. It's going to be moving too fast to be a big storm. Yeah, yeah. And then at the very last second, they turned back to saying it was going to be a big storm again. So that's just kind of what meteorologists go through. Yeah, that one was pretty... Trying to predict the future. Yeah. And the models are always changing, especially this time. They were really... They were all over the place, yeah. But yeah, so what was the setup? Um, I guess we can start there. The trough was coming in from California, and then it was, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) went through Utah and then was going to kind of track through southwest Colorado and then kind of eject Mm -hmm. into northeast Colorado. That was one of the forecast model predictions, but it ended up going into southern southeast Colorado. Which we'll probably discuss more yeah. soon. But Uh-huh. So yeah. And so that was gonna lead to a period of upslope um conditions Monday night into like Tuesday morning the for the prime time precip mm-hmm. event. Um which that that verified. I mean we had <laughs> we had the time frame right, but it just didn't pan we out. We almost nailed the time frame down like the minute i know (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna start at five o'clock it like started raining at like 457 i know at least downtown am i off work yeah and yeah and so the cold air was supposed to come in basically right when the upslope upslope was being uh was coming in um connected with the upper level winds and then the uh cold front which was supposed to come to come in from wyoming um Monday night, which we'll talk about, didn't ha- didn't 
move as fast as predicted, or it wasn't as much cold air as we yeah. thought. <laughs> but yeah, and then we had this big upper level jet streak overhead, mm-hmm. which was probably I don't know the number one of the bigger reasons that the storm really exploded. I don't know. Probably some upper level divergence. Yeah. Well, that as well. But yeah, that jet streak—that's a pretty good jet that helped to develop this. The uh, I don't know the closed glow. Which yeah. Made, <laughs> yeah. To get the upslope. I'm not sure what the moisture content was, but maybe moisture was also somewhat lacking. But it seemed like there was quite a bit of moisture overall, so that's probably wasn't the case. But yeah, I don't know. I think there was a good bit of moisture, just not here. Yeah, <laughs> not here. And we got downslope, but so yeah, the uncertainty was whether they uh, the low pressure was going to track into northeast Colorado, which would be more favorable for an upslope condition in Boulder County, or if it was going to go into southeastern Colorado. I don't think it was ever going to track into northeast Colorado, though, was it? Well, Maybe central? there was the one GFS outlier forecast on oh. Sunday, which kind of had northeast. I mean, it wasn't really that far north, I guess, but okay. maybe east-northeast or something. But anyway, difference between tracking north or tracking more south was kind of one of the big uncertainties and that would basically determine how much upslope you'd have uh, for boulder county yeah and also uh, you want to be closer to the center of the low to have better lift yeah so more or less you know it's kind of almost a guessing game with how the Divergent, most of the models were. Yeah, yeah, for but, you sure. Know, Boulder was never really in the. We were never thinking it was going to be a crazy storm for Boulder. I mean, no, not really. Not, I mean, there was like a slight chance we were worried about it. Yeah. If it tracks a little bit further north, like some of the models were suggesting. Mm-hmm. But we were really thinking, you know, three to six inches. Yeah, yeah. And 12 plus for Denver, <laughs> in the southern parts of Denver. Mm hmm. Yeah. And but, yeah. So, um, yeah, so the storm, anything else about setup? Um, well, we talked about the cold air and the track. So uh, everything we had planned was, everything so it looked to be going well. But we, we, we thought that it was going to transition from rain to snow fairly quickly because yeah. the cold air was going to, the upslope, the strong upslope was going to basically evict that cold air southward pretty quickly. Which usually happens a lot. And also, the, the mid and upper levels were supposed to cool down rapidly as well. Yeah, I mean, we temperatures were... cold air aloft. Yeah, temperatures were... They were well below freezing, at least projected to be, so... Yeah, so, should have... Yeah. So, yeah, we, we thought there was no problem with this rain. Yeah. Changing over to snow pretty quick. Yeah, and, and a lot of the ensemble products showed it was going to transition to snow fairly quickly as well too so we had good reason to believe that that was going to be the case and even the weather service had that thought in, in mind too everyone had that thought <laughs> no one thought there'd be significant rain anywhere i don't think so no but yeah but we were still expecting a pretty steep gradient of snow across the 
Denver area. Mm-hmm. So we knew there was going to be this fine line between people that got a blizzard and a lot of snow and areas that weren't going to get much. Yeah. We knew that was going to happen. Just the track of the storm. Mm-hmm. So there was a pretty big potential to bust for everyone. <laughs> and we, way, we originally had for that Monday, well, before we made our post on the website, we originally were thinking one to four inches for for Boulder. Yeah. And then the models, like you said, quickly changed for the morning hours on Monday into saying, oh, this is going to be a big storm. And then we kind of hedged a little bit more upward, but we were still hesitant, I would say. Yeah, I think we were more conservative than, say, the National Weather Service, which got a little bit excited. It's yeah. 14 inches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, <clears throat> yeah, and the news didn't help that the news was in Denver and they were going to get way more snow than us. So I think the people in Boulder were expecting something pretty significant. Yeah. At least from my work, everyone was kind of hopping about and planning to take off the next day and <laughs> <laughs> like, things like that. I had, as soon as I looked at the the radar, maybe like at 4 or 5 p.m., well, probably 5 p.m., it started to, basically the heaviest band was like, like basically Denver South. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that and I was like, I think we're screwed because <laughs> it just wasn't moving northward. Eventually it kind of moved north through the night, but that band just kind of sat there. And I think that was probably, which we'll discuss eventually, but I think that was the southern track of where it actually, where the low pressure actually went. So focusing more upslope south of south south of Boulder. So, but yeah, we expected that anyway, though. Well, we expected that, but I expected something coming from the north as well. Yeah, which usually comes with a cold front. But um, yeah, there was nothing. There was nothing. No sign of that. <laughs> it kind of like the whole system just approached from the south, whereas usually we we get something swinging down from Wyoming. Yeah, it was a sign that the cold air was coming. Yeah. So I guess that leads us into uh, Ben. What do you think? What what factors actually led to why it was kind of a bust? Um, we have several factors, about four well, or five different uh, different factors. Uh, the first thing I would say is that kind of influenced everything. Would be like you said that track. Yeah, I would think that'd be number one. We should talk about that first because that kind of plays into everything else. Yeah. So. Like you said, we had the track of the system was supposed to be, I don't know, through kind of southern Colorado. I mean, the 700 millibar low. Yeah. A little bit in southeast Colorado, maybe even east central Colorado, maybe. But it ended up tracking, from what I what I looked at, it looks like it tracked 200 miles further south. <laughs> the 700 millibar low. I know that's 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 a big change from the forecast. Two hundred miles. I don't know if I've ever seen it that that off. You know. <laughs> but but the five hundred millibar low was only mis misrepresented by about forty miles. Hmm. But when you're talking the type of gradient we had, over yeah, the that's, region, that's gonna drastically that's, shift everything south. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. But I don't know why it developed like that. I mean, there was obviously... Something, yeah. What? Sorry? Um, I mean, like, it's like in the Midwest, if you want a storm to hit, <clears throat> to go up 
up Missouri and like to go up like Arkansas into Missouri and Chicago, like basically track north instead of more east mm-hmm. for like a snowstorm in St. Louis. Well, yeah. You need you need a ridge in the southeast U.S. Um, that can kind of like help it kind of go around the ridge in some ways, if that makes sense. So basically, the ridge will kind of help it kind of move um, northward a little bit. And maybe we didn't have a ridge in the east. Maybe over the plains, possibly is maybe. You know that southern jet. Maybe it just kind of tracked more from west to east. Is my only thinking. I don't know. Too far south. Yeah. Didn't give enough northerly push. I think we discussed this in our Enso Outlook for the Winter podcast, where we were kind of saying that we thought a lot of these storms during El Nino years, you know, some of them might end up tracking a little more southward. Too far south. Yeah. And maybe that's what we're seeing so far. We haven't seen a big snowstorm for Boulder yet this year. But, I mean, when they do come, like like we saw in Denver, you know, they they, they pack a punch. Yeah. Just depends where it's going to go. Yeah. And so, so the track was something that influenced. And so, so what was, so what implications of that different track? I mean, how does that influence the upslope component? Yeah. So we, the upslope component was already going to be kind of iffy for this event. So what's it, what is a good upslope flow for Boulder? Like, East northeast, I would say. I mean, east would be good too. Anything east, I guess. Not southeast. <laughs> southeast would be okay. It's decent. It'd be warm, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, you want east to northeast. But when you get too far away from the low pressure, like what the case was the case with this storm, you get outside the bounds of that easterly flow. It's kind of hard to explain without seeing a picture, I guess. But but you get more northerly direction. Yeah, it, it becomes more northerly. Maybe north northeasterly, and once the low just moves ever so slightly uh, eastward, then that instantly shifts to northwesterly um, as the low isn't close anymore. So, which gives you sort of a downslope component a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean anything that doesn't have an easterly component is downslope. <laughs> More, I mean, yeah. So, so yeah, we were worried about that happening because, like we said, the low was going to be. Slightly far away to begin with, and then the fact that it developed even further away uh, mm-hmm. limited our upslope from the event. So I'll probably post something on the website, but there's a nice, pretty good diagram that kind of shows all the different things that were going on during the event, which I'm working on. But yeah, it'll be a good post. Um, you can see we basically don't have um, the upslope is pretty much like 20 degrees. So in meteorological directions, so just off to the north. Yeah. So basically, it was almost essentially completely north, <laughs> north northeast, I guess. Well, yeah, that. Which is not favorable. That mid-level map you sent me too showed that. Uh, oh yeah. Seven hundred was just basically straight north. Yep, and that was for Denver, remember? Yeah. So even in Boulder, that would have been even more had a more westerly component. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have any air. Any upper air observations here? <laughs> Surprised, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we knew at some point this, I mean, it happens with every storm that moves through. You get a period of upslope, and then as the storm pulls away, it switches to downslope. It's just kind of how quickly that happens. Yeah. It's kind of what affects Boulder. 
and I guess most of the region. Yeah. The borders are especially susceptible to it being right at the base of the foothills. <laughs> yeah, whereas Denver can kind of get yeah more of focus from the low itself, in addition to not just upslope in some ways. Yeah. Can be like a, a city in the Midwest or something, <laughs> you know. They get that like that band just north of the low pressure that that uh, banded snowfall signature. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Denver. So yeah, Denver isn't as dependent on upslope as Boulder would be. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. But so we had more of a northerly component to our winds, which actually ended up benefiting the Palmer Divide. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. So that. What's the Palmer Divide for the listeners? Because I doubt anyone knows what that is. Uh, you can describe it. Probably better. <laughs> so it's basically just a little mound of topography south of Denver um, that sticks out away from the Rocky Mountains. So the Rocky Mountains run north-south, but the Palmer Divide sticks out to the east, essentially. So when you're driving down I-25, you have to cross this. And <laughs> it actually goes up, I think, to over 7,000 feet. Oh, wow. So it's pretty high. It's got a lot of pine trees. got some nice peaks. <laughs> Not nice peaks, but it kind of looks dwarfed by the Rocky Mountains <laughs> or even the regular foothills, but yeah. it's still pretty substantial. And so that increased northerly component really started to really help the Palmer Divide out. Upslope for them is a northerly flow. Yeah. Um, so, which there was plenty of in this storm. Even so anything northerly and straight easterly flow really kind of does not benefit the Palmer Divide. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a good... Um, anyways, yeah, so that was what the place that got the most snow out of this storm. Not only were they closer to the low and got the better upper-level dynamics and influence from that, they had uh, pretty much extended upslope. How much snow did they get? Uh, a lot. <laughs> I think the one of the biggest totals I saw was 18 inches. Wow, there um, you go. Somewhere, somewhere in uh, Elizabeth... Uh, Monument, I think, had 18 inches or 16 inches. Wow. It was still everywhere, kind of got lower than they were expecting. Mm. So that was even less than was forecast. Yeah. <laughs> so they were thinking uh, like 16 to, I don't know, 26 inches or something <laughs> for the Palmer Divide region. So they got a little bit towards the low end of their totals. But, so what were we talking about? Oh, the upslope. The upslope, yeah. So yeah, so anyways... Border got less upslope than we would have got if the storm tracked a little bit further north. And we got downslope, which kind of plays into our next issue. Yeah. A yeah. little bit. Oh, that's... Oh, yeah. Well, you can you can go ahead, but I think I could add, some, add something to it. Go for it. Oh, well, I mean, that just goes to the temperatures, which yeah. you'll, you'll probably discuss. I was going to say, that's kind of a tie into our next thing. But maybe the downslope was a factor for some slight warming. In yeah. addition to maybe lack of cold air coming in from the north. That's the only thing I can figure. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I just Especially thought of that now. in the mid-levels. So, at the onset of the storm, which was about 5 p.m., we had pretty much surface upslope. Remember we said, like, right, slight north-northeasterly flow the whole time? That would still be okay upslope. <laughs> it wouldn't cause any warming, that's for sure. Yeah. But... I'm guessing that somewhere just right above the surface, they had downslope going on. So the, the, the easterly upslope was only associated with that weak front. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing, I don't know, a few, maybe 500 feet above the surface, we were having downslope. 
Probably. And warming it because it took a really long time to get uh, snow to mix in. You know, the rain yeah. never changed over. Yeah. So then, yeah. It was even 34 degrees at my house and it was still raining. <laughs> <laughs> so that really hints that there was pretty, some warm air aloft. Had to be, yeah, some, yeah. Like a pretty, a fair-sized warm layer that was above freezing. I mean, obviously it was below freezing at 700 millibars, so that couldn't explain it. At least I would think it would be well below freezing there. I mean, all the all the models yeah, were, were sh- so maybe around eight hundred or something millibars. Yeah, or seven fifty. I don't know. Get the upslope had to be very shallow. This is why for our website we need to have a plot level at eight hundred millibars so we can pick out these uh, features. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. But yeah, Denver at at 6 p.m. Um, oh, Denver at 5 p.m. had already had um, a 700 millibar temperature of negative 9. So it was well so blue, it was yeah. really cold, actually. Already, even at 5 o'clock. So that's kind of one of the indicators we were thinking that would be pretty much a real quick changeover. Yeah. It was going to be so cold mm-hmm. at 700 millibars like cloud level or in the cloud so there would have been so extrapolating that down to the surface should have been cold yeah layer. yeah should have been a cold layer so there had to have been something going on you know that the differing track like i had to said, yeah i agree causing more downslope yeah well usually if we get a storm coming in from the northwest you know like a uh like a cold front coming in from the northeast but then you get like a weak short wave coming in from the west, like Wyoming, kind of dives southeast. In those cases, you get, you know, the cold air advances really quick. And sometimes it's a it's a compete competition between the dry air and then the moisture. But, so, I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> in that case, yeah. you have a pretty strong low-level easterly that's really advecting the cold air in. Yeah. Whereas, in this case, it wasn't. Yeah. Not really much going on. And that was another thing that didn't necessarily verify for us was the strong winds. Mostly yeah, because yeah. the low was further away and we were, um, I don't know, and not I think, in the thick of it. <laughs> and the mean, wind, there were strong winds on the east of Denver, but for Boulder we were expecting at least something. When the winds, like you said, were more northerly instead of easterly. So it's probably just blowing parallel. To the to the mountain range and not much you know interaction I guess I don't know yeah so that was another so yeah it was ended up being I don't know I don't know what at what point I thought we were in trouble I mean you said whenever you saw the precip not coming pretty much north, yeah yeah I thought we were in trouble when I saw there was no cold air coming <laughs> down from uh, Wyoming. So I kept checking for Collins observations and places over there, and I'm like, it was like still in the 40s at like <laughs> 7 p.m. And there was like no cold air, and National Weather Service keeps talking about this front that's coming, and <laughs> it's just nowhere to be found. <laughs> and so, would you think that the models were just cold biased for this event in terms of predicting too much cold air? I didn't actually look at the surface. Uh, projections i didn't either i just kind of assumed it was going to be yeah when you got 700 temps 
minus pretty eight. cold, yeah. <laughs> so maybe they were actually showing more moderate uh, low levels. I don't know, but it's hard to say. But yeah, couldn't have been though, because a lot of the forecast ensembles were showing it to get well below freezing into mm-hmm. low twenties by the morning. So yeah, and uh, so I mean. I mean, if there was more upslope, it would have contributed to the cooling. Some, and we also had so there was more downslope, which contributed to the warming, and the lack of precip took away from evaporative cooling. So, <laughs> yeah, I would agree. So it's kind of a combination of everything that have pretty much resulted from the tr- I would say the track difference, since it was such a fine-tuned forecast. I don't know. Yeah. The lack of cold air was a big one. You figure if something, if the storm tracks further south, that would bring the cold air further south. Yeah. That doesn't seem to be the case. I'm still baffled by just how warm it was because, like, usually this time of year we'd have, we'd have snow. And. Yeah, like this time of year you shouldn't even be having to worry about. Yeah. Anything being warm enough for rain, I mean. So that like we said before, like the last five years, it's never rained in November almost. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, we can. I understand the downslope and the lack of cold air, but still, I'm still surprised that it wasn't even snow at least, you know, instead of rain when it did rain. But maybe it was just I don't know. Yeah, I think. I think the models overestimated the cold air. I don't know why though. I don't know if it's just the time of year. Maybe, maybe this Enso is having such an impact. Maybe it, uh, maybe there weren't, maybe the observations were not, I mean, they could have been, maybe could have had better observations to initialize the, the models. I don't know. Maybe just so much warm air from Enso, maybe, I don't know. I mean, it is a pretty extreme Enso. I mean, yeah. I don't know what I would say about that. <laughs> I would think that would, I don't know, hard to say. I don't know either, yeah. It depends, I guess, yeah. So it'd be good to pose a question to Cassano as well. I mean, I think it was maybe to do with that dynamic cooling aspect that, um, I mean, that's how Denver got colder. There was just really intense precipitation there. They got the significant evaporative cooling and they also got the dynamic cooling yeah that able to get places like um i don't know cherry creek and aurora down into like the low 30s yeah closer to like 30 degrees or upper 20s whereas boulder couldn't get below 34 (laughs) yeah and i don't know hard to say i don't know i mean yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah um anything else from that I just say that it wasn't just Boulder that busted on snow. It was more almost everywhere, I would say, <laughs> except for the Palmer Divide. And even I would say even they busted a little bit. Yeah. The worst places were probably Boulder and Longmont and Fort Collins, which got nothing. And the foothills didn't get much either. Yeah. And I even didn't – we don't really have direct observations of, like, Long's Peak, but – I know Long's Peak, it looks like it got like one or two inches. <laughs> and it was in the, it was under a winter storm warning for 10 to 24 inches. That would make sense because the more southern track would not. Yeah. 
lead to much snow up there. Yeah, so it really took, you know, the, some of the ski resorts, uh, maybe not the ski resorts. It took Long's Peak at least out of it, and a lot of our mountains. Yeah. So they actually might have had the biggest bus, so Boulder should feel that bad. <laughs> because, yeah, I looked at the webcams, and Long's Peak looks like it got, like, a dusting. <laughs> and even the rest of the mountains as well. I don't know if it even snowed in Gun Barrel. I mean, I went to bed around 10 o'clock, but I didn't even see any <laughs> any flurries on my car. Mm-hmm. Not even the dusting on my car. Oh, my car didn't have anything on it. I don't even know. I, don't, I could I, just tell it was snowing, but it wasn't sticking at I mean, like 11 p.m. Yeah, maybe it, just, maybe it just melted on my car. I don't know, but I didn't see anything. So. Uh, your car didn't have anything on it. Nowhere, <laughs> nowhere in Boulder had much accumulation, except for South Boulder. I think whenever it got cold enough, it just stopped. <laughs> yeah, that was. I don't think it ever got cold enough, at least in my house. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it, ever, it went below freezing. I only got down to 34 or 33. <laughs> But that was way after the precip was done. I think it's because the sky was starting to clear. <laughs> At like 5 a.m. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so the track was kind of a problem, which had an influence on the winds, which cut into our upslope, which led to downslope, <laughs> which helped to warm the atmosphere. And there was just lack of cold air. That's, so, that's that's my explanation. So that's what we got. It's kind of a combination of everything. It was already a tough forecast. Yeah. Not not a tough forecast, but well, it was a tough forecast, but a very you needed a lot of precision to get this one right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you need to have a lot of guts to not believe the models. Yeah. When they change at like the last three hours before the event. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, maybe. 12 hours before the event started. I would say it started with the 0Z runs on Monday or Sunday night. So, yeah, like, I'd say six. Maybe <laughs> the 6Z runs. Yeah, so you're right, like 12, 12, 18 <laughs> Yeah. But we did our best to not believe them. <laughs> We're really skeptical. Yeah. But, yeah, only so much you can do. a better forecast. I don't think so. I, I don't know. Well, that's what was on the table. There's no way we could predict that warm air. I don't think. Yeah, unless we had better observations, which we don't have. We need a Denver. We need a Boulder sounding. <laughs> had it been cool, we should have launched like a radio song during the event. Yeah, we would have been like, wow, look at this really warm layer. There's no <laughs> way. <it's... laughs> we need a LiDAR or something like that. What would a LiDAR do? Isn't that a... Uh... So... Greenland has a LiDAR, right? Can't that get, like, temperature profiles? Or is that just moisture? I don't think you can get temperature with LiDAR. Oh, so we need a wind profiler, then. You can't get that. You can't get temperature with a wind profiler, can you? I thought you could get something with it. Yeah, I know you, you can get wind, but I mean... You have a radiometer? You can get a temperature from ra- microwave radiometers. Maybe. Maybe. Well, we need, we need something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could have just looked at uh, the temperature at a city a little higher up. Right? Say like Lions or something? I don't think Lions is higher. Or um, Actually, we could like Al- Al- Allen's Park or something? Even Allen's Park, yeah. That'd be close to 700 millibars. Oh, yeah, maybe that's a little too high then. Another one would be like 750 or 800, 
that would be a good one. That would be a good one. Yeah. Just check out those temperatures and see what, what it was. We should look at uh, Klaus's weather station. Ooh, the other... Well, where's his station? In Jamestown. Hmm. Like 9,000 feet. So, so he's... Like yeah. 740, yeah. Something? 720? Sorry? Oh, yeah. oh another thought I was thinking when I was looking at the Denver uh, sounding of like temperature with height. It was showing that... Uh, it was pretty moist, I mean, through much of the layer, layer I guess, um, but yep. there wasn't much temperature in that range for ice crystal growth, which is like minus 12 to minus 18 degrees Celsius. So maybe there wasn't as much mm-hmm. ice crystals and more droplets in the cloud, but that's a very <laughs> small speculation. Because like more is more down south near Denver, you're getting more vertical mm. uh, lift, so you're gonna mix that. You know, all those ice, there would be more ice crystals. I would expect. Whereas in our case, it was weak lift, and so we weren't getting much. Maybe weren't getting as much um, dendritic ice crystals, which is what you need for snowfall. And just more, more rain droplets in that sense. But, um, yeah, that's hard to say. You have to look at the actual. What's that day? Sorry. Monday night, Tuesday. Okay. But that's just that's that would be something on top of what we already discussed. Oh, but impressive. but it could explain why it was rain, because uh, even if you have temperatures close to freezing, and you have you know, no, like, zone of ice crystal growth, you're not going to get much snowfall. You could get, like, maybe freezing drizzle or something like that, but... So, I don't know. That's true. But then, that, that again, is hard to predict. <laughs> Hindsight. Yeah, I mean, there's no way we're able to verify that. <laughs> no measurements. We can barely verify. Yeah. Um, I was just going to mention that in eastern Colorado, we had the pretty significant tornado outbreak. During this event? Yeah. So in the warm sector, earlier in that, when we were getting snow, the extreme eastern part of Colorado was in a tornado watch. Hmm. And like 70 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, I don't know. It, they were They were actually... Multiple counties that were both under blizzard warnings and tornado watches. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And severe thunderstorm warnings. Jeez. In eastern Colorado. Like places near Burlington. Oh, okay. Like where, uh, what's his name from? Uh, Andrew. Right on the Kansas border. Yeah, Andrew. Tracy, Andrew. Um, let's see, we had any Colorado tornadoes? No, doesn't look like it. We had a 62-mile-an-hour wind in Burlington. <laughs> that was probably, yeah, the pressure gradient. I don't know how many tornado reports there were. Wow, there were a lot. Looks like 50 or more from Kansas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma, and Texas. Wow. They're probably doing some storm surveys this week. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about it, but I thought that was interesting. And there was also, so still in the warm sector, like southeast of Denver, there was some speculation that there might be thunder snow again. 
Uh, I pre- there probably was. Yeah, I didn't see any reports of it, but it doesn't mean that it is. <laughs> it was a pretty strong storm, so. So there was some, you know, they had a jet overhead and everything. and Yeah, probably some elevated instability and stuff like that. So, uh, As you sneeze. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else do we have for this storm? So, the National Weather Service here in Boulder measured 0.1 inches somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. Which I'll believe it, because I heard people uh, at my office that came from South Boulder said they had some accumulation on grass. Oh, okay. Okay. Like the very far extent of Boulder. And you can see on the webcam that is down by, um, I no- don't know. Noah? No, south of El Dorado. Oh, okay. South of El Dorado Road or whatever, south of Marshall Road, they had snow at that next intersection. I forget what that one's called. Yeah. Which I think is the one which was in that video of the people trying to get on the bus. I think so. <laughs> but... Um, in the windstorm. <laughs> but, yeah, they had snow there. It was like a half an inch. Maybe an inch. Yeah. But, yeah. And then, um, I would say we got a trace here. <laughs> or at my place. <laughs> in North Boulder. Nothing more than a trace. Yeah, it was and, uh, pretty sad. Louisville ended up getting around one or two inches. Did you hear from your friend Mike? He got about, he said four inches. Whoa. Wait. Well. Wait, Lafayette? Lafayette, yeah. I think he said like, yeah, three or four. Okay, yeah. I saw some observations in that ballpark of two and a half inches in that area. It was interesting though when I drove in that day to work. You could just tell where people were coming from. Just based on whether their car was covered or not. Oh, yeah. Well, this time you wouldn't know. Are they coming from the mountains or are they coming from? Well, I was trying to. I was trying to guess in my mind, <laughs> based on what happened. So, like my friend Natalie, she, uh, I think she lives in Erie. Mm-hmm. She had like some ice on her car, and then with maybe a little bit of snow. Of course, she drove. She probably cleaned a lot of it off. But then other people on the roads had like several inches on their roof or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they must have came from Denver, I guess. I mean, yeah, or maybe the mountains. Even but Gordon, they were Gordon got like six inches. But where they were coming was kind of like seemed like it was from the east because they were on foothills, and then they were going on to baseline. So they had to have come from maybe Westminster, I guess. I don't know. Going north on foothills or south? Going north and then going west on the baseline. Oh. Um. Yeah, I mean, they could come from anywhere. So I'm guessing Westminster in that case, but... Who knows where they come from? They might come from Centennial. Well, I'm just saying it had to be from the east. It couldn't have been from... The west, yeah. The west, yeah. Well, you wouldn't think so. I think Netherlands only got about three or four inches. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> that's just kind of interesting. You could just guess where people are coming from. <laughs> uh, that's always good to do. Um, people probably thought I had my car in the garage, but... No, I just didn't have any snow on, on the car. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> but you'll learn. Yeah, we'll... Uh, we'll remember for next time. I mean, it's going to be hard to stand up to the models even yeah. more than we did this time, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'd probably be, like, really skeptical and then probably burn us the other way. <laughs> yeah. 
But that's what I like to say. You have to kind of forecast somewhat of a almost partially worst case scenario. Yeah, to get everybody ready. Off guard. Yeah, you need to alert the public and stuff. Yeah. So. But I think we did better than everyone. Well, a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the forecasts I saw <laughs> were more optimistic for Boulder. <laughs> so I guess that was where people got their anticipation of some type of blizzard event. Yeah. Boulder. Yeah. Probably. Or a significant school closing snow. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, one more thing. We did get 0.3 inches of rain in Boulder. Which is impressive. So even if the temperature was cold enough, we would have got about three inches of snow. Oh, yeah. So, it was <laughs> so I mean, it's true. Yeah. even though the storm track was a little bit further south than we expected and it kind of took away from our precip, if it was cold enough, we would have got three inches. Would have been right in our range. Would have been in our range. Well, probably two or three inches <laughs> with some of it melting Yeah. from the warm ground. But I don't know. It would have been better and probably would have made people in Boulder slightly more happy. <laughs> or more less hateful towards weathermen <laughs> true yeah I imagine the weather service will be pretty cautious in the next storm and probably us too <laughs> yeah and then I guess I guess another sign that the models were extremely lacking as far as getting the temperature right was that how warm it got the next day yeah, it was pretty warm. Because in the fifties, we got to I think fifty three in Boulder, and just the day before when we were predicting, we were thinking upper thirties. <laughs> upper thirties, low forties. Yeah. And the weather service was thinking mid thirties. So almost everyone, on the models were, were about twenty degrees off, fifteen to twenty degrees off for the very next day. <laughs> yeah. So there was probably another sign that something didn't come together as planned. Yeah, I was thinking there would be some low-level clouds in the morning. That's part of it as well. And then, and and then, like then you said, the albedo. And then the snow cover, which would reflect a lot of the radiation, solar radiation. Yeah. Or the sun's rays. <laughs> and there'd be some, I don't know, latent heat involved in that. Yeah, yeah. Melting the snow. And so, I mean, but I don't think 15 to 20 degrees worth, maybe. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to say. <laughs> I agree. But I think so. I think there was, it just there wasn't the cold air that was expected. Just yeah. From that, <laughs> how yeah. rapidly it warmed up the next day. Yeah, if I remember right, I think the GFS temperature forecast, like it's the Moss. I think it was showing mid mid to upper forties on Tuesday. Really? I, I don't know. I think so because I was like, why would it be that warm? Are you sure? I don't. I don't remember seeing that. I mean, I think it was close to mid forties, maybe forty five. I don't know. I have to look back on the website, but I was like, "Why?" Can you is it old moss? Yeah, that one like Texas A and M. Oh. <clears throat> I was like, "Why is it so high?" And so I basically didn't believe it, but maybe that was accounting for the bias. I don't know. I don't know. think I saw that. I would. I don't think I would have let that go. <laughs> I, I don't know. On a sticky. Maybe, yeah, know. possibly. Or maybe you just saw this, the cold air mass and figured it couldn't have been true. I but. think when I looked at it, it was like 43, 40, 41 or something. Yeah, I mean. For like Boulder and Greenfield and Denver. I mean, it's possible, yeah, the 
the Sunday moss was oh, warmer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you were looking a day before. Back. Okay, yeah, so who knows? So, yeah, I don't know. So, I'm thinking, like, and then it, like, switched back to being really cold. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? Ugh, we digress but enough. It was a tough situation. Yep. So, people that think it's easy for people to do a forecast, it's... We just say, I'd like to see you try. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's tough, but it's also kind of fun. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's fun, yeah. To be able to try and... It's good to know when you get it right, for sure. That's when you expect it to happen, you know. Yeah, I think if you do a good job on a forecast, you have, I don't know, a sense of pride. Yeah, are you... If you do bad, you kind of, I don't know. I think you're like, well, I didn't learn enough in meteorology. I need to (laughs) learn more. (laughs) You always learn more, but is it going to help you with your forecast? I don't know. (laughs) I think the thing is there's so many factors. There's like hundreds of factors going into one forecast and you forget to look at one of those factors and that could be the one that screws your forecast yeah even for temperature there's like maybe 20 different factors that you gotta look at 20 well i mean there's obviously this <laughs> the ground temperature late okay. latent heat flux sensible heat flux clouds moisture um snow on the ground, snow on the ground. Advection, downslope, upslope. Background air mass temperature. <laughs> so there's already like 12 right there. Uh, what else? Yeah. yeah. Time of year, solar solar angle, sun, I mean. Did you say cloud cover? Yeah. No. The sun's angle. Oh, whether it's high clouds or low clouds. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's 20, there's 20 <laughs> things, I guess, you have to think about. Just for temperature. And then. So, Tack in moisture. And temperature is just one component of yep. another system. Yep. So you have temperature. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a, it's tough. But fun. It's tough, but fun, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think in areas, though, maybe you would know this better from your Missouri days. <laughs> I think in areas where they don't have to worry about extreme topography, it's easier. In some ways, yeah. <laughs> Missouri is kind of like in the center of the country. So, it can kind of split the rain-snow line, like, right in the middle. And then, same those can be either rain or snow, sometimes. It's the same for anywhere, though. It's the same for anywhere, I guess, yeah. You don't have to worry about upslope and downslope, though. If you get a certain <laughs> wind direction, you're... That's well, true. It could matter, but... You get different factors coming Different factors come into play, like the track of the storm. And the track of the storm matters everywhere. And dry air, I guess. Yeah. But... Yeah, you get the cold air mass comes in from Canada, right into Missouri, and then it can either either sh- shunt the uh, system to the south or also kill all the moisture by all the dry air coming in. So yeah, there's different That's different true. factors in different areas. I think it's hard <laughs> when I was there. It's a, it's a tough forecast there because you're always anytime you have a low pressure approaching. It's always going to want to dissipate and reform along the coast <laughs> near the Baraclinic zone, you know, near the Baraclinic instability. So, in the east, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like a nor'easter, it often moves up like into Ohio and then will redevelop offshore. So you have this monster storm moving towards Pennsylvania, and then it'll just fizzle out and reform the east. 
Well, that's a mountain effect, right? The uh... No, it's just because of the ocean, the Bariclinic Zone. Oh, but you get something from the Appalachians, right? Well, I mean, you get slight downslope. But it's not going to tear a storm apart. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And then, for lake effect snow, you need you have to be forecasting a very specific wind direction. Yeah, a certain fetch. You want, you know, this specific wind direction. If you don't get that, it could be different between a ton of snow or no snow. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. So, I mean, everywhere has its challenges. Florida <laughs> has the mountains. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know, backdoor cold fronts. <laughs> Which is the only cold fronts we get, and pretty, the, pretty and the, much. And the fact that low pressures, the storm systems don't really develop until they get right on top of Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, more or less. They'll kind of be really disorganized moving through the mountains, and then they'll just explode <laughs> when they hit the plates. Yeah. So you can't always see, you don't see them coming necessarily. Or yeah, you You have can. to really rely on the models. Yeah. So this storm's going to develop here, this storm's going to develop there. It's not like you can track it across the country. <laughs> no. <laughs> like just, you can for the east. <laughs> yeah, you can see it, yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. It's yeah, it is interesting, yeah. It's a good place. That's why we're in the field, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> let me just see if have anything else here. So if you're listening to the podcast, by the time this will probably be up on the up on the site, we will have, there'll be a post online on our website. Yeah, it'll be have more detailed discussion of what happened with the storm. I don't know if it'll be more detailed. Well, more visually. Yeah, it'll have nice, nice, friendly <laughs> pictures for you to really see what we're talking about here. Yeah, and if you have any comments, just let us know. Yeah, feel free to post any comments or any type of questions you had about why your neighborhood didn't get any snow. <laughs> or how much you got, just let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is that? We have anything else? Um, have you heard anything about the ski resorts? I saw Eldora got five inches of snow from this last storm. I did see them on the webcam the other day that they were pretty. It was a pretty wide out condition. Where? Eldora. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, they got five inches. So yeah, I'm not. I haven't checked any other ones. I'm sure Steamboat got some Wednesday. I know some people taking off work tomorrow to go skiing. I think Steamboat is opening up this weekend, um, and Winter Park is opening up either already or tomorrow or something, I heard on the radio, so okay. a lot of places opening up now, Woo. so it means I got to get that powder cast going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this would have been a rough powder cast, although most of the ski resorts are a little bit, I guess not, Winter Park's up there. Winter Park probably didn't get much from this event, I would imagine. Uh, I heard on, yeah, I heard they got close to a... F- Maybe a foot or so. Whoa, really? That's a lot. They just get like almost. They get a, like. I mean, a wind direction for them can be a wide range for snowfall. It's it, it seems mm-hmm. like it can be northwest. It can be like west. I east. mean, <laughs> east. I don't know. Sure, like they seem to get a lot. Yeah. yeah so. About it. Yeah. So they're they'll be ready for the open season. <laughs> We're gonna have a special. Thanksgiving podcast? Yeah, it would have to be Wednesday. In or around there? Or Black Friday or something Black, like that. Black Friday podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see who we can round up for next week's podcast. Some of the radio stations already have Christmas music. Oh, man. And when I was in Savannah, uh-huh. they had Christmas music 
that week. So that was only the week of the ninth. So that was pretty early, in my opinion. Yeah. I know Boulder's had their Christmas lights up since, like, November 5th. They hadn't put that star up yet, though. It's already up. Oh, it is? Oh, what, man. What do you mean? It's, just, it's been up for the last, like, week or two. Yeah, I guess I don't... I can't, I guess I can't, I guess I can't see it from my apartment. Um, Unless I'm out at night, I guess. But I can see it from my balcony. I can see it from, uh, I just saw it tonight from, uh... It's probably, like, room. super bright from your place. Um, no, it's really far away, actually. It looks, like, dwarfed. <laughs> all the way on Flagstaff. It's, like, on the side of Flagstaff. It's facing, like, half away. I don't know. It looks really small from my place. Yeah. Interesting, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw the people putting up the lights. It's crazy. They had like a million workers putting wow. lights up on Pearl Street one day. And then it's impressive. Park, impressive. Along <laughs> uh, the creek, but it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm trying to debate if I'll get a real tree this year before I go home for Christmas. <laughs> but uh, it would have to be obviously before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Yes? I don't know. I don't know where I would put it. I got my uh, fireplace, basically. I want to burn the tree <laughs> when I start a fire. <laughs> I'll get a tree anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'll just get like a small one. You could put it like in front of the balcony. Yeah, that's true. In that nook. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Who knows? I don't know. I don't know if I'm that... I'm pretty lazy. So. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get a tree. I think I'll put Christmas lights around my cactus again. <laughs> Yeah, that's nice. It's almost like seven feet tall. <laughs> so, <laughs> we just wrap it around there. <laughs> I'll call it good. Yeah. So. But. Yeah, I guess we uh, don't have anything else to say. Whoa. Or do we? I don't know. I'm trying to think of his name. I haven't any, heard anything exciting. <laughs> um, oh, you see that lady took a picture of a bobcat? <laughs> In yeah. her yard. Who did? Um, a lady in Boulder. Oh, okay. She, I saw, uh, I forget her name. Sorry, ma'am, I can't remember your name, but basically <laughs> she had... A random she, shout out to a random lady. I think she suspected there was bears in her yard or something. I think she lived somewhere in North Boulder, like North of Virus, I'm not sure where. Towards the west corner somewhere, but... Um, I don't know, regardless. She was trying to keep... She put like this... Uh, camera in her yard that takes pictures basically of stuff mm-hmm. when it you know moving it moves and it has like a motion detector and takes pictures and stuff so she tried to have get a picture of these of these bears I guess she ended up getting like this just like stunning picture of a bobcat <laughs> it was like super HD like perfect it was like just staring into the camera <laughs> it, it was like nice it looked like it was it was like in the middle of the day too maybe like four o'clock before sunset but yeah, it was, it nice, was nice. Nice, nice. I don't know. That was cool. Gotta appreciate the animals. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I forget, like, a couple weeks ago, I was driving home one day, and um, it was probably late at night, maybe like 10 or 11 o'clock at night, and there was, like, no one on the roads. It was, like, a weeknight, I think. I don't know where I was. <laughs> where was I? Oh, it was after that hockey game. Oh, okay. We took the bus back, and I got my car. Uh, it was downtown anyway, but so I was driving home, and on Broadway, I was just driving along, minding my own business, and there was just this huge deer 
Like it was just like standing in the middle of Broadway, just like grazing on cement. <laughs> it had like these huge antlers. It was a pretty nice deer. Wow. But it was just standing in the middle of the road. I like, almost smashed it because I wasn't. I mean, I was paying attention, <laughs> but it was just surprising. You know, yeah. Oh, you always have your low beams on. Yeah. When you're driving in the city, so and it was kind of a dark area in Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Like, right before you go up the big hill. <laughs> wow. On Norwood. To Norwood. <laughs> but, yeah, you just gotta. Pre- I always see deer in that area. Yeah. Yeah. They're always. If you want to see deer. Just go to that area. You go at the corner of Broadway and Hawthorne, and there's like this field. It's like someone owns, has this, like, giant farm. <laughs> like, it's like a giant garden almost. There's deer there every single day. <laughs> right before sunset. Just eating this guy's, like, garden, I guess. It's huge, though. That's impressive. Or is that the Boulder Community Gardens, actually, now that I think about it? I'm not sure. It could be. could be. Did you ever see this? I, I saw the one, yeah. Uh, it's close to where I would bike to get to your place. Uh, here? Your, your old, your place now. There's oh. a, uh, I think you have to go near Kalmia. If you go a little west, you run into some kind of community garden. Yeah. Through some walkway. Yeah, that's it. Um, is it? I mean, it looks like it. But. The one I'm talking about is at the corner uh, there's probably more than one. I mean, obviously. This one's like right behind the North Boulder Rec Center. Okay, I don't know that one. <laughs> At like the corner of like 13th and Hawthorne. But, right before Iris, south of Iris. Anyways, but, yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. It's kind of dead now. <laughs> but, <laughs> anything else? I can't think of anything. I don't know. I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like we did. A good, we had a good podcast, but a lot of good discussion. Yeah, hope you guys learned a lot. Yeah.